Welcome to the NJ Criminal Podcast. Today I have the pleasure of speaking with Glenn Garrels. Glenn is an expert in the field of use of force, uh, and he is uh, the owner and operator of Force Analysis LLC and is a use of force consultant. So, Glenn, I'm going to turn it over to you. Thank you so much for taking the time today to join us. Oh, good afternoon, Meg. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. I know that you could probably talk all day about use of force, um, but why don't you first tell us a little bit about your background and, uh, and, and, and what it is that you do? Well, I'm in, um, just getting ready to start my 22nd year in the state police. I'm currently assigned to the Casino Gaming Bureau in Atlantic City. Um, for the first uh, probably four and a half, five years of my career, I was a road duty trooper in, uh, in uniform. Uh, assigned to uh, several road duty stations in Troop A, which is uh, South Jersey. Um, I made detective shortly after that and was assigned to the Digital Technology Investigations Unit where I investigated uh, crimes against children for a year. Um, and then shortly after that, I was transferred to the Major Crime Unit where I spent basically the next 14 years of my career investigating homicides, suspicious deaths, and uh, officer-involved shootings, which is our, which is instances of deadly force by police and is that how you really got into becoming an expert in the area of use of force yes uh by being in the major crime unit, we're automatically assigned to the attorney general's shooting response team where we had to handle uh, or investigate all the uh, state police uh, deadly force instances and uh, back then anytime uh, a detective or an officer from a task force or a local prosecutor's office who was involved in a shooting we had to handle those investigations as well. So over those 14 years, I, I was probably involved with probably close to 100 officer-involved shootings and in-custody deaths. And during those 14 years, I attended uh, training all over the country uh, in investigating officer-involved shootings and use of force, uh, the standard behind force, and as, uh, as well as a lot of the human factor science uh, that's come up in the last 20 years uh, regarding force, such as uh, like human reaction times and physiological effects that it can occur uh, during uh, use of force instances. Now, a couple months ago, the Attorney General for New Jersey revised New Jersey's use of force policy for the first time in a couple decades. Is that correct? Yes, he did. Okay. And so what I'd like you to uh, do, if you don't mind, is uh, tell us about the new policy. Uh, and, you know, I know I know it's a long policy and I know it, it has a lot of, uh, lot of meat to it. But how how it compares to the former policy that was in effect for a couple decades? And I guess I should start off by saying, obviously, this new use of force policy uh, was enacted uh, in part due as a response or due to the death of George Floyd and others. Is that accurate? That's correct. Yes, I think it was already in the making, but it certainly sped up the process uh, to to really put it uh, in motion at that point. Okay, so I'm going to turn it over to you. I mean, I don't know if you want to talk about how, what the policy used to be like, or if you want to just jump right in and talk about how the policy is now and how it differs. Uh, but tell us what tell us uh, about use of force. Well, I'll start off by saying the federal standard of force is objective reasonableness uh, by a police officer. So that's all from the. Uh, 1989 uh, United States Supreme Court case of Graham versus Connor, and uh, the, the previous policy was was based on that uh, reasonableness, um, and now the new policy still goes by Graham versus Connor and objective reasonableness, but it's certainly restricted a lot of the things that officers 
uh, can do now when it comes to use of force. Uh, the new policy is based on seven core principles, uh, which that we did not have before. And it's certainly, instead of reasonableness, it's now necessary, reasonable, and proportional uh, for what an officer can do uh, in any use of force instance, whether it's deadly or non-deadly, or whatever force option that they do use. So things are certainly restricted more. Um, the policy isn't bad. Uh, it's certainly, you have to really understand it and dive into it. It has a lot of new uh, definitions that were introduced this time around that weren't there before. So basically the policy before was probably seven or eight pages. Now it's uh, probably close to 25, if not more pages of information. Yeah, I think it might be even longer than that, I think. Yeah. Yeah, so you, you really have to dive in and understand uh, what you can do and what you can't do under certain circumstances. Again, the standard is still reasonableness. Uh, they just kind of restricted things depending on the circumstance of what, what's going on uh, in each particular case. Because that's, you, you got to be careful because each use of force incident is different. No no case is exactly alike. Every officer is different. Every other subject is different. Uh, so you really have to take in the totality of the circumstances of each individual case. And what happens a lot now is the public and the media and a lot of times the command staff of a police department go solely based on what they see in a video. And a use of force incident is so much more than watching body cam video or a video from a uh, in-car recorder or even um, video surveillance uh, somewhere. You really have to take in everything that happens, and that includes the officer's account of what he did and why he did it, uh, witnesses, injuries that are sustained, understanding everything that happens uh, during the circumstance and incident instead of just going by video. So that that's probably my biggest thing I want to point out today is it's not it's not just watching video it's a, it's a lot more than that. Right. And I guess you know we we could talk also uh, or or even another time about the new policy on body worn cameras. Um and I know that uh there was a a, a period of time where the new policy was going to preclude officers from viewing their body worn camera prior to writing their report. Now, I think that either has changed or there's been something in the works about having that changed. But why do you think it's important to not just focus on body-worn camera video? Because when you're watching a video of an incident, you're getting the perspective and the perspective only of the video. You're not getting necessarily the perspective of the officer. You don't know what he is perceiving at the time. You don't know what his perception is and what he's focused on visually, mentally, and possibly auditorily. You have to really understand everything that's going on. It's not just watching video. There's a lot of human factor science that may be involved uh, in, in cases. It's certainly not every single case, but you have to understand everything. You're only getting the perspective of the, of the video, not necessarily the officer. So the the new policy focuses on de-escalation, uh, proportionality. Were they factors that were important in the old policy? They didn't specifically mention de-escalation, um, but that's certainly the, a topic that's kind of going across the country now. Um, and I think a lot of officers were a little bit apprehensive about it. Um, and as I was too, because anytime you have something new, especially when it comes to use of force, you're, you're apprehensive. You know, when I went through the training and, and you read through the policy, I, I certainly understand where the attorney general's office is coming from. I mean, we, we have to face it that the, today's policing world is changing and the officers have to change with it. Uh, the problem is when you have 
experienced officers who have 15, 20, 25 years on. You can't just expect them to change overnight on their ideology and thinking. It, it takes time to do that. And the training that was given on de-escalation um, is only uh, a day or a day and a half long. It, it, it probably takes more than that to really get it ingrained into their heads on how to do this. Well, and I would imagine uh, it's so fact-sensitive. It is, because every case is different. Every officer is different. And again, every subject is different. So you really have to take in their accounts of what's going on. Um, and that starts off right from when an officer is dispatched to a scene. Right then, they start formulating their perceptions of what's going on or what may have happened. And then you have to take into effect how it changes when he gets there. What new information does he find out? What happens with him and the subject when he gets on scene? How does it change? Um, there's a lot of uh, things that happen that you really have to pay attention to and, and kind of examine in the totality of the circumstances because that's, that's the standard under Graham versus Connor and still the standard under the Attorney General's guidelines now. Um, they have a right in their policy that, you know, um, they understand Graham versus Connor, but they wanted to um, restrict things a little bit more, uh, which they did. And, and it's OK because police officers can still do their job and do it effectively. Um, I think some of them are still a little bit apprehensive until they get used to the policy. The, the policy also, as you said, it's got these seven core principles. One of the core principles focuses specifically on the use of deadly force. So there's there's use of force and then there's use of deadly force. Can you um, describe if and when an officer would ever be permitted to use deadly force? Well, if, if he believes that there's an imminent threat of death or seriously bodily injury to him or someone else, it's certainly justified uh, to use deadly force. That's why it's so important not just to watch the video. You have to understand his perception at the time that the force is used because that's what the standard says. It's his perception perception as long as it's reasonable so you have to st understand what he's thinking and why he's thinking that and, and obviously it's up to him or her to explain why he's thinking that um because he's the one on scene we can sit back and watch a video uh in 2020 hindsight monday night quarterback an officer uh we have the luxury of of play rewind play rewind play rewind and keep doing that he potentially has a split-second judgment to make a decision on the circumstances that are tense, uncertain, and rapidly evolving. And that's what Graham versus Connor says. You have to analyze the situation from an officer on scene at the moment, knowing what he knew or she knew, um, not just by watching video. It's so much more entailed than that. The the new policy also requires uh, and and speaks about the duty of other officers to intervene duty of officers to provide medical treatment if needed you know duty to report can you maybe go over that and is that is that a completely new uh new principles that have been added since the policy that was in effect since 2000 uh they were still there before but now it's more pronounced um well they have a whole separate core principles set to each of those topics and they were just mentioned in, in the previous um attorney general's guidelines like we, we always like had a, that sounds like it's in a direct response to the george floyd killing that and other cases that have happened around the country uh but you gotta remember you know as, as horrific as the george floyd incident was um most of the country was just watching it on video they really didn't understand and know the entire circumstances of the case 
Now, when that officer went to trial, he was found guilty. Um, and he, obviously, he should have been found guilty for what happened. Um, right, right. But you, you can't always determine just from watching video. You have to really understand all the facts of the case, um, what he was, what they were feeling at the time, what the other officers were thinking, what they were doing, uh, interviews of other witnesses and other videos from different perspectives. Um, there's just a lot that, that you really have to understand when it comes to force. But, you know, in the last policy, we still had a duty to report force. We still had a duty to uh, provide medical aid. Um, I think it's difficult for a, a less senior officer to intervene if he or she feels that a more senior officer is not complying with a, the guideline or directive. I'm I'm quite sure that's certainly going to go through their head in that split-second uh, decision. Um, but you know what? We, we take an oath when we get our badge and when we graduate the academy, and that's part of our oath to, to uphold the law. And if you think that an officer is doing something, uh, breaking the law or, or the policy itself, you have a duty to, to intervene. Um, and if you don't, then you could be just as held accountable as the officer that's possibly uh, utilizing uh, unreasonable force. Don't forget to subscribe and like the show on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere you listen.